coming up on the Rami La Vie podcast, we recap Thursday night football between the Niners and the Giants. What makes Brock Purdy so special and this Giants team? Should they be in trouble or did they just lose to two really good teams? And now they can move on with their season and do what they were supposed to do this year. And that's go make the playoffs. Also, we previewed every single game and picked all the games in football. There's some picks I really like. I got creative with some of my picks this week. And I've been really good at picking games in case you haven't been following along on the season. I'm 32 and 14 in my picks that I've given you through two weeks. By the way, my two picks on Thursday Night Football, spoiler alert, they both won. So I'm 34 and 14 so far in my picks on the year. So go listen to this pick the games. I have not failed you. Listen, listen, listen. All that and a whole lot more coming up right after this. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours plus you can exchange unlimited text messages and everything you share is completely confidential so i talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything one of the things that i learned in therapy was that join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash rami that's my first name that's better help b-e-t-t-e-r H-E-L-P dot com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description, in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast. This is episode 167. Feels like it's been a while, I know, since you've heard me last. But my sarcasm is translating. Did anyone watch that Ed Sheeran concert that was just on? Because that was, I like, I stayed. I was like, oh, I'll watch this. Why not? I actually had some music on because I started to write my notes already. I wasn't really watching much of the post game, although I did see Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, you want to come play for the Jets? I don't know if they asked him that or not. Somebody tweet at me uh, if they did ask him that. I kind of. quickly looked through Twitter to see because I'm sure it would have been a talking point I doubt they did it looked like it was some sort of gimmicky thing they were doing there so I doubt they asked him about the Jets about playing for the Jets about playing period whatever um anyway the game tonight there was a football game Thursday night football as you're listening to this it was last night between the Giants and the 49ers we'll get to that in a second so on this episode that's what we're going to talk about we're going to give you all the picks for Sunday, and we're going to give you the picks for Monday and talk about all those games because uh, another Jewish holiday this weekend. So it's going to be a bunch pretty much coming up, a bunch of holidays. And also later today, look out for this. There's going to be a new episode of In-Flight Snack with Blal Powell and I. So stay tuned for that as well. So lots going on on my feed as far as what I'm putting out there, Rami V Podcast, In-Flight Snack, all the different platforms that you are used to and you've grown to uh, know and love. And so we'll have you set for Sunday's game with the Jets. I'll also give you my pick on here for the Jets game. because It's pretty simple. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. But I do have some Jets talk because some of the stuff I was watching tonight definitely did remind me about the Jets. Everything comes back to the Jets for me. I know 
been talking about that for two years now it's funny now i have a whole separate podcast to talk about the jets and now it feels like i don't want to talk about the jets anymore because when i was hired to do the podcast i and i'm thrilled to have the platform and don't get me wrong i'm excited about it but when i was originally asked to do the podcast the idea was we were gonna have aaron Rodgers and win or lose and successful or not the season was going to be interesting it was gonna be compelling and four snaps in, it just became not compelling. It became not interesting. And I pray and I hope that the Jets find a way to make it interesting. People thought, well, their defense, their special teams, all these players, skill position players, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, can all keep it interesting. But it turns out it's Wayne Brown's a turnstile and Zach Wilson is still an awful quarterback. So unless they plan on trading for an offensive lineman, which I don't think they're going to do, but maybe they'll shuffle things around. I think Dwayne Brown didn't practice for this week, so that, that could tell you kind of maybe that they're moving in a different direction. Uh, they said he's dealing with a hip injury in addition to the shoulder injury that he's been dealing with. So it's a little update there. We'll talk about that with Bilal tomorrow. Let me actually write that down in my notes. I know I did this on last episode where I wrote something down in my notes. And everyone got on me. Everyone's like, oh, you're just talking. You're kind of buying time. Everyone can hear you buying time over there while you're taking your notes. Well, guess what? It's important. I have another job. I have another podcast. If I think of something off the top of my head, I need to say it. So if Dwayne Brown's not going to play, then, you know, I need to tell Bilal that. So Dwayne Brown, like I said, hip and shoulder did not practice this week. So we'll see what happens with that moving forward. Uh, Yeah, I mentioned already about my guests. So we covered that on last episode. If you want to go back, you could listen to that. Hopefully having a huge guest on Tuesday, though, on the in-flight snack podcast huge huge new york sports media legend on the podcast hopefully so uh, there's a little hint a little teaser for you and um jets legend too so we'll we'll talk about that and other than that um there's not much else so let's get right to the episode i assume the next episode of the romula v podcast will also be maybe tuesday or wednesday so that's that's what i have to figure out um so that's why we're going to do the Monday night picks on this episode also. And we're not going to do the full regular Sunday recap. So next week, we'll also just have two episodes, probably a Wednesday and a Friday, something like that. The Wednesday will be the same type of style. Wednesday, we'll be previewing um, or we'll be recapping the week. I'll watch most of the Sunday game. So I'll, I'll have more notes on that and more to talk about on that. Um, maybe we'll do another power rankings or maybe we'll just save the power rankings for the following week. Uh, and then because... I'll have the same situation where I'll have not watched most of the Sunday games. So I think we'll save the power rankings for the following week. We'll do a recap of the Sunday games. I'm kind of thinking out loud over here. Ed Sheeran got that song stuck in my head. Now I'm just saying Ed Sheeran things. See, see how that works. Um, So giving you a little uh, kind of mapping that out, kind of thinking how we should do this. So we'll recap the Sunday games, probably recap the Monday night football games. I'll probably catch them on Monday night. And then, uh, We'll also preview Thursday night football, and then we'll obviously do the post-Thursday night football and pick all the Sunday games the following episode. But for this episode, we're going to pick all the Sunday games and all the Monday games. There's two Monday games again this week. But we start by recapping Thursday night football and what I saw tonight or last night at this point by the time you're listening to this. And really by the time I'm recording this, that is, it's already very late here on the East Coast. So the Giants lose to the San Francisco 49ers 30-12. Uh First of all, my two picks, I had the Giants under 16 and a half, which by the way, moved to 15 and a half by the time I bet it today. And I was like, shoot, I missed it. I really like 16 and a half, 15 and a half. I'm not so sure about. 
Then when the Giants missed a two-point conversion, I felt a lot more comfortable. That was huge for me. Uh, so the Giants ultimately didn't get another point after that. So the under 15.5 did hit. Congrats. And San Francisco minus 10.5 hit as well as they win by 18. So 2-0 and so far on the week. And I bet it. That's the difference. I'm learning from my mistakes. I actually bet it. I parlayed it. I threw in actually, I think I threw in Christian McCaffrey over 50 yards to that bet because why not? And he hit it with ease. So that was pretty easy, pretty easy parlay. Uh, my other parlay did not hit. I needed a Kittle touchdown. I would have had my no sweat parlay. That would have been awesome. But I'll get that money back. I guess I'll be able to bet it again. So on to what happened in this game. And what stood out, what jumped out, I think, for me, was the Giants' penalties. The Giants, it felt like, had a penalty every time there was a big third down. Now, when I went to look at the stats, I looked at ESPN, and then I went to NFL.com, and I was looking at Fox Sports. I was double and triple checking myself because the Giants, it said, had only six penalties in the game, and that was the same number as the Niners, and each team had six penalties, and it felt like the Giants had a million penalties. And I think part of the reason for that was... Every time it felt like they had a penalty, it was keeping the defense on the field and giving the Niners a first down. It felt like there were third down after third down that the Niners were about to either punt or kick a field goal, and the Giants stayed on the field because of a dumb penalty. And I know the Leonard Williams roughing the passer was a weak call, and maybe that kind of looked like they picked up the first down there anyway. It looked like the spot was a little short and they could have challenged that or whatever. I know it's a weak roughing the passer call. But by the way, do we need every single person and their mom on Twitter tweeting out the video of the Leonard Williams hit and going, you be the ref. And this is the exact caption. You be the ref. Should there have been roughing on this play? I get it. They Every single person is a genius. You crack the code that if you tweet something like that, everyone's going to get in your replies and quote tweet it and, and reply, no, it shouldn't have been and get angry about it because people are, are angry. But when you see the ninth and 10th and 50,000th tweet, that's the exact same tweet. You're not a genius. You're not original. You didn't break the algorithm for Twitter, and now you're going to get Twitter famous. I'm sorry. So I instead tweeted out, not everyone and their mom has to tweet this out. And I got zero likes. <laughs> so I guess they win and I lose. I don't know. But back to the Giants and their penalties. I mean, are they poorly coached? Because that's what it's felt like all season now. That they're sloppy and at times poorly coached. And that was one of the strengths of the Giants last year was that Brian Dable's different. Brian Dable changed things. Brian Dable came in here and now they're a well-coached team and well-run organization. And in one year he turned everything around because of how good he is. Well, it doesn't seem that way. The Niners converted on 60% of their third downs anyway as it was. The Giants defense could never get off the field. Whereas the Giants only converted 25% of their third downs. And it's why the defense was constantly on the field. In fact, the Niners offense was on the field double the amount of time the Giants offense was on the field. 40 minutes to 20 minutes. Double. But at the same time, we're looking at this game. And in a game where week one, the Giants get blown out 40-0 or down 26-0 at the half. Week two, they're down 20-0 at the half before a miraculous comeback. In this game, it was a one-score game, a one-possession game, eight-point game in the third quarter. And the Giants had the ball. The Giants were right in this thing. Brock Purdy started the game poorly, but the Niners made up for it, get some points. The Giants get three points going to the half. Okay, hey, we're cooking here. They come out of the half and they score a touchdown. It was close. It was a game. It was 20 to 12. 
You held them to a field goal. You scored a touchdown of your own. Yeah, you missed the two-point conversion. All right, keep it moving. And you have the ball down eight, and they decided to throw the ball? Why wasn't Daniel Jones running the ball? Why weren't they calling design runs for Daniel Jones? Fred Warner, who is one of the best linebackers in the league, one of the smartest linebackers in the league too, and he's a pro bowl or all pro every single year. This is a guy who's probably the best inside linebacker in the league. I know we don't talk about inside linebackers so much. We talk about Roquan Smith a bunch because, you know, the big trade, Baltimore, big contract, all that. We don't talk about inside linebackers a ton. I know CJ Mosley on the Jets maybe a little bit. But this is a guy who's one of the best linebackers in the league and knows football. And he said all we prepared for all week was we knew that they'd give us trouble when they started doing the design runs with Daniel Jones. We knew that that's what was going to give us the most trouble. And did it feel like they called a single design run for Daniel Jones? I don't remember one in the entire game. I think he ran for five yards total. In fact, the team as a whole ran the ball 11 times. And it's what I talked about with Bilal. It's what I talked about after week one on Sunday Night Football. It felt like once they went down seven, they completely abandoned their game plan. Again, coaching. Again, Brian Table, what? And I know there's no Saquon in this game, so that hurts. I get it. And this really helps Saquon's case of why he should get paid. But at the same time, do something. You have Daniel Jones. He's vanilla Vic. Run the ball. Try something. Because throwing it to double-covered Darren Waller and the mediocre Giants receivers, all I heard about was the Giants' weapons. Well, they're non-existent. Is that really your best offense? Is that really your best option? Because when you were right in this game and you had an opportunity to come back and make this a real football game, it was right there for you and you didn't take it because you didn't run the ball because you were throwing it into double coverage and throwing it to random receivers. And there's pressure in your face. And you know you could alleviate some of that pressure on Daniel Jones? You know it could make them step back in coverage a little bit more and not blitz as much? If you start running the ball with Daniel Jones. And a guy like Fred Warner said, we were scared of Daniel Jones running the football. He said this after the game. The one thing they didn't want was Daniel Jones running. And the design runs for Daniel Jones. And he was confused why the Giants didn't call it. And I was too. I just saw this video on Twitter after I wrote that in my notes. So great minds think alike. Thanks, Fred. Now, is there a positive spin for the Giants? I saw this on Twitter also. Sure. Giants are one and two. The two teams they lost to, probably teams you expected to lose to. The teams you're quote-unquote supposed to lose to. Not that I don't, I really don't like that phrase, but supposed to, fine. He lost to Dallas, who's definitely better than you. Maybe the second the best team in the league. And he lost to San Francisco, who's probably the best team in the league. And then the game you had to win, the game you had to have against the team that's probably the worst team in the league and everyone's picked to be the worst team in the league, you won. So sure, you're one and two, but season starts next week. Nothing happened. You saw improvement. They lost 40 nothing in week one. Had a massive comeback in week two. And this week, you were in this game. Lost by 18 in the end, but you were right there. Without Saquon Barkley. Without Andrew Thomas. And by the way, speaking of the offensive line, I mean, Evan Neal is doing his best Dwayne Brown impression. He's a freaking turnstile too. He stinks. But that said, I don't like that. I don't love that positive spin. They had a miracle win. They were down 20 nothing to the worst team in football. And I think if not for that team tanking and the miracle second half, 
You don't win that game either, and you're looking at 0-3 in embarrassing fashion. Cool, you scored a touchdown. You you had one touchdown in this game. It's not like the Giants were good in this game. Don't get it twisted. Just because you were a little bit better on a short week against a banged-up Niners team without Brandon Ayuk, you think you're the only one with injuries? So I'm not totally out on the Giants yet. I'm still holding out hope, but it looks sloppy and ugly. And that's more concerning than the fact that they're losing these games. As if 40-0 and 30-12 isn't ugly enough. And to that point, the expectation is so low of them right now that when they were down 11 and had only 6 points at the half, Carissa Thompson opened the halftime show by saying, this is a closer game than we expected it would be. It was 17-6. to And yes, that was closer than you expected. You expected that the Giants would be getting curb stomped even worse than that in the first half. So sure, the expectations were low and maybe they exceeded the expectations a drop. But think about how low the expectations were and how poorly they would have had to been to disappoint in that scenario. So I'm not over here doing cartwheels and skipping over the Giants putting up 12 points and losing by only 18 instead of losing by 30 to the San Francisco 49ers, who it felt like didn't have to do much. When you look at the Niners, like, look, they're really damn good. I get it. But Purdy sucked for half that game. They didn't have to do anything. And then they just made everything easier. And for people on Twitter, fans of the Jets saying, well, look, he has the offensive line. He has... The weapons. If Zach Wilson can just be Rock Purdy. Let's get this straight. Zach Wilson could never be Brock Purdy. Do you realize how good Brock Purdy is? Brock Purdy's going up to the line, recognizing everything, calling audibles at the line, changing plays immediately, seeing different coverages, pointing things out to his team. And one thing that he does better than anyone in the league is he makes the simple, makes the easy look easy. They were running the hurry-up offense at points. He's always in control. He always knows what he's doing. And look, I agree. He's not remotely close to as talented as Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson had that kind of talent, or sorry, if Brock Purdy had that kind of talent, of course, he'd be incredible. But it's not always about the talent You think you put Zach Wilson in that offense, everyone says, oh, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense, so easy to run. You think you put him in that offense, he would be good? No, he can't do that. He can't make the simple. He can't make the easy look easy. That's what Zach struggles with more than anything else. Case in point, and the proof of this is Trey Lance has all the talent. He's got more talent than Brock Purdy. Trust me. And you think San Francisco would rather trade away a guy that they use a first-round pick on, that they traded up to get, and they're using a guy who they took in the seventh round? That's not ideal for them. But they're doing it because one kid can do it and one kid gets it. At the end of the day, quarterback is between the ears. I just saw a post of Tom Brady throwing a million screen passes and shuffling his feet a little bit and throwing over the middle and simple throws, simple plays. But he got to those plays. He made everyone around him better. Brady did it for 20 years. Exactly what Brock Purdy's doing now. There's very few rare plays, rare drives, and it happened in Brady's career because over time he got a lot better where you watch Tom Brady and you're like, damn, that guy, look at that throw. Oh, wow. 
he put that right on the money where only he could catch it. Oh, it's an incredible, only Brady can make that play. Only Brady can make that throw. How often did you say that in your in Tom Brady's career? Almost never. And yet, when there were two minutes left and he had the ball, you knew he was always going to get the ball to the right guy at the right time, have everything in control. Everyone was going to get up to the line in time and know the play, and everyone was going to be on the same page. And that's what made him the GOAT, doing that for 20 years and always winning. Brock Purdy's not there yet. But when I watch Brock Purdy and his throwing motion is long and his arm isn't strong and all these different things that you want to say about him, although that throw to Debo, that touchdown was incredible. That was an incredible back shoulder throw. Zach Wilson can't do that anyway. But all that stuff doesn't matter. The talent doesn't matter. He's talented enough. He has it between the ears. He has it in his head. And that's something that you cannot teach. And it's not going to get better. And it's why the San Francisco team is not just their skill position players. It's about Brock Purdy too. And he is special. He's a special, special quarterback in this league. And he's going to be as long as he stays healthy. Now, I do think the Niners are the best team in the league. And when you look at the forecast, and I don't love doing this, but this is a pretty gimmicky thing to do. It's easy, easy content here. So I guess everyone I called out on Twitter, I'm not doing it for clicks, though. I'm doing it for me. I guess it's different. You think people are going to listen? More people are going to listen to the podcast because I did this gimmick? No. It's an easy thing to talk about to fill time. And I don't really care that much about that either. So I'm not sure why I'm doing it, but I was curious and it came into my head. So here it is. The Niners are the best team in the league, I do think, especially with Brock playing quarterback, second year in the league, of course. You don't accidentally win games the way he did. I think if he wasn't hurt last year, they had a real chance against Philly. Philly was a team on a mission, sure. Now, in two weeks, Sunday Night Football Week 5, they play Dallas. The game is in San Francisco. That should be an incredible game because I think Dallas really is one of the best teams in the league. And I know Dallas lost last year against San Francisco and all that stuff in the playoffs. Okay, that's fine. And Dallas probably isn't as good, and Dallas hasn't had a real challenge. They've played the two New York teams so far. So there's not been a real challenge for the Dallas Cowboys yet. So that game should be a real challenge. I think San Francisco should win as of today. We don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now with all the injuries especially. We don't know what's going to happen. But if they do win, and they improve to 5-0 and on that point, at that point, that's assuming they win next week, which I assume they will, they could realistically, and I look through the schedule, there's a game at Jacksonville that might be tough. Home for Cincinnati, maybe. Who knows? Cincinnati looks like a mess. There's a case to be made that the 49ers could be 11-0 and going into Philly the first week in December. They could be 11-0 and going into that game, and that could be the first time that they might be threatened to lose a game. That's how good the Niners are this year. And I want to see it. I'm rooting for it. I'm hoping for it because it's fun when you have a team like that. You always have a team like that. A team like that usually ends up fading at the end of the year. I think this team is special. I think they're on their way to the Super Bowl this year. And I think it's going to be a really fun season. Those two games, home for Dallas and in Philly, are going to be fun to watch. I can't wait for those matchups. All right, we're going to pick the games for this weekend and Monday Night Football coming up right after this. All right, coming back. Here we go. Sunday at 1 o'clock. I'm excited. Sit on my couch. I missed it last week. Um, So I'm going to have Red Zone on. I guess I'll have it on on my laptop or second TV. But the main TV, the big screen is going to be the Jets game at 1 o'clock. I'm weirdly nervous for it 
even though my expectations are so low. There's supposed to be a driving rainstorm or a tropical storm in New York on Sunday. That should bode well for Zach Wilson, as if he needed any help or Bill Belichick needed any help. We'll get to the Jets in a second, though. I told you I'm going to pick all the games. I won't talk about it as much because don't want to step on mine and Bilal's podcast. And it's been going really well, and I appreciate the support. If you've been listening, if you've been telling a friend, if you've been sharing it, uh, reaching out to me, it's been nice. I appreciate it. Now, the first game we're going to start with on Sunday, 1 o'clock, is Tennessee at Cleveland. Cleveland is favored by three and a half. And I, let me just, I'm actually going to, so <laughs> I have my laptop in front of me and I have my notes on my laptop. I also have my notes on my phone though, because shared devices, you know, how that works. And I can't see because my laptop's not like directly in front of my face. Somehow it's harder for me to see the laptop when it's out when it's dark out, when it's dark in the room, you think that would make the laptop stand out? I don't even know. I'm not sure. No, whatever. My eyesight sucks. I need to get that checked out. All right. So let's do this. Let's go look at week three picks. Uh, and it's right here. I have it on my phone. So that'll be a lot better. All right. Let's do it. Week three, Tennessee at Cleveland. Like I said, Cleveland is favored by three and a half. The over-under is 39.5, and and I have no feel for this game. Cleveland looked really good at times. Tennessee looked good last week. Didn't look so good the first week. What I do like in this game, I do think both teams can put up not a ton of points, not great scoring teams, but I don't think they're incredible defenses either. So what I like in this game is over. I like the over 39.5. 40 points is really not a lot to hit. If each one of these teams can score 20 points, should be a pretty, pretty simple task. To hope for on Sunday at 6, or at 1 o'clock, sorry, uh, is the over 39.5 in Tennessee and Cleveland. Now, I did do like multiple picks in some games, stuff like that, but I I didn't give you so many of the parlay numbers, and here's why, because it's not fair for me to give you the parlay numbers and then to say, oh, well, I give you the parlay numbers, but let me count each one of these these as an individual W. So uh, I'm telling you, don't parlay them together. If you want to, you can, but don't. so some of them, I will give you the numbers if I do think the parlay does make sense. But we'll count them as individuals because I think people think I'm cheating. And that's why my picks have been going so well. Just because I'm parlaying them and then losing because one leg loses, that's my problem, not your problem. Take the picks individually, run with them, have fun. And so far on the season, like I said, 32 and 14 or 30, something like that, 32 and 14. Yeah, it's pretty good. You'd be doing pretty, pretty damn good right now. The Chargers are at Minnesota in another game that, like, this game makes no sense to me also. Minnesota's favored by minus 1.5. The over-under is 53.5. The points would have been an easy bet, but 53.5 is a lot of points, so I don't love that. This is two two teams that's like, who's going to screw up this game more? The Chargers and Brandon Staley or Minnesota? And I don't think Minnesota's on coaching. It's just they keep finding ways to lose games. They're favorite at home. They're not going to be a like. Do you really think Minnesota is going to be a terrible team that wins four or five games this year? I don't think so. I don't trust Brandon Staley, but I'm going to take the Chargers money line in this game. I think ultimately there's more talent on the Chargers offense than there is on Minnesota's offense. Neither of these teams play any defense. I like Minnesota. I do. I still do. But what I've seen the last few weeks is that they're a pretty bad team and. 
even if they can put up numbers, which they've done, they're still going to find a way to lose. I don't trust that. I don't trust Brandon Staley either, but I like Justin Herbert. I like Austin Eckler. The money line is minus 106. Are you not even getting plus money, even though they're plus one and a half points in the game? The Chargers are on the road. You're not getting plus money for the money line. So minus 106, Chargers money line. I'd stay away from this game, but that's the bet. New England is at the Jets. The Jets are plus two and a half. The over under is 36 and a half. Jesus Christ. Over 36 and a half is so extremely low. Um, I'm going to take the Pats. We'll talk all about it tomorrow, but I haven't seen the Jets beat the Patriots since 2015. Blah Powell's on that team. And now Blah Powell does a podcast with me. So that's how long it's been. So, so uh, yeah, 2015, 14 consecutive wins. Bill Belichick has not been 0 and 3, or I think, I don't even think he's been 0 and 2. Since 2001, uh, of course, they were 0-2, and then Bledsoe gets hurt, Brady comes in, they win the Super Bowl, and the rest, as they say, is history, uh, but Belichick's not going 0-3. The Jets are dumpster fire. They're not beating any of this Patriots team. That's the short of it. You'll hear more about it. With Bilal Powell on in-flight snack, I'll leave a link in the description. You can go subscribe to that podcast and help a buddy out. I appreciate you. Uh, I also kind of sneaky like the under. I don't think the Jets are going to score more than six points in this game, so... You think the Pats are really going to put up 30? 36 and a half feels really low, but I kind of like the under. I like the Pats winning, I don't know, 20 to 3, something like that. that. That's my pick, 20 to 3. Buffalo is at Washington as we move along in the 1 o'clock games and a game that is also uh, 1 o'clock in the AFC East, Buffalo AFC East team. They're in Washington. It's plus six and a half. So Buffalo is favored by six and a half. The over-under is 43 and a half. Washington is two and oh. Buffalo is one and one. I think Buffalo is going to win and cover. Buffalo in this game, to me, of course, Josh Allen could have a bunch of turnovers and it can all go to hell. But I really still don't think Washington is that good. I thought Denver and their worst coach in the NFL, Sean Payton, was going to beat them last week. So the fact that you're getting six and a half, it's under a touchdown for Buffalo. I take it and run with it. I also kind of sneaky like the over, but I'm a little bit scared of 43 and a half. So here's what I did. I did a parlay. Now, again, my two picks, I have three picks for this game. My picks are Buffalo minus six and a half and over 43 and a half points. Those are my picks for the games. Now I have a third pick for the game. And I'm just making this very clear. If you want to parlay, Buffalo minus three and a half. It's an alternate spread and an alternate over of 40 and a half. That gets you plus 150 odds. I like that a lot. That should be easy to hit. I love it. I don't like it. I love it. We'll see how things change before they shake up before Sunday. But I love that uh, in the Buffalo and Washington game. I really do think Buffalo's offense is going to be great in this game. The 43 and a half should be pretty easy to hit. 40 and a half even easier. And I think Buffalo wins by a touchdown over Washington that I think is not a very good football team, but I do think Washington can still put up points on this Buffalo secondary. So uh, I like the over and I like Buffalo to win by a touchdown. I see this game going, I don't know, 30 to 23, something like that. Houston is at Jacksonville in a matchup of two AFC South division teams. Houston is 0-2 already. Jacksonville is minus Eight and a half after losing and only putting up nine points, I think it was, total against Kansas City. The over-under is 44 and a half in this game. I don't love the over in this game. I, I kind of like it, but don't love it. I don't know if Houston can score enough. So 
I'd stay away from the over-under, but I do like Jacksonville to win and cover. I think Jacksonville, after last week, is going to put up a ton of points. Like I said, I'm going to keep riding with my gut feeling that Houston is the actual worst team in the league. Rookie quarterback still, that hasn't changed. So I do like Jacksonville to win and cover in this game and make it look pretty easy. Indianapolis is at Baltimore. Baltimore is favored by 8.5. The over-under is 44.5. That's a huge number. I don't trust Indianapolis with huge numbers. I don't know who's starting, or Baltimore rather, with huge numbers. I don't know who's starting for Indianapolis, if it's going to be Anthony Richardson, if it's going to be Gardner Minshew. Either way, their offense looks good enough that they can cover this spread. So I like Indy plus 8.5 in this game. I do like Baltimore to win the game. If you want to take the Baltimore money line, I like Indy to cover. Indy plus 8.5 is my pick. Atlanta is at Detroit. In a case of another team that's 2-0, and Detroit that kind of sucked last week, wasn't that impressive at all last week, and really wasn't impressive in week one. So a team that everyone was hyped on coming into the season hasn't been that impressive yet. So... I don't know. I'm not sure what to do here with the Detroit Lions. They're favored by three. The over-under is 46.5. I don't know if Detroit's going to cover the three, but I think they'll win. If you go Detroit money line, it's minus 166. And it's a case of, I don't think Atlanta's going to be 3-0. and I'm just going with the home team here. I think Detroit's better, but I honestly don't know. I think that offense is going to come to life. It has to at some point, right? Like, where are you, Jared Goff? Where are you, Amon Ross St. Brown? I think that's got to happen. So I like Detroit minus or Detroit to win on the money line at minus 166. Another team that's undefeated is New Orleans, also in the AFC South, and they're playing another AF or sorry, in the NFC South, and they're playing another NFC North team in Green Bay. Green Bay is at home, minus one and a half. They're home with Jordan Love. It's a big game, all that stuff. The homecoming for this kid. The over-under is 42 and a half. I don't love it. Maybe I would love an adjusted under in this game because I don't think a ton of points are going to be scored. I really do like New Orleans defense so far. I like New Orleans money line in this game. Also, I do think they're a better team than Green Bay. Even though Jordan Love has been impressive, I don't think he's that great. I think after week one, there's a big overreaction. I know they had a couple defensive touchdowns in this game. He really didn't do that much in week one. They came back down to earth a little bit against Atlanta. I think New Orleans is better than Atlanta. I think the Saints will win. Improved to 3-0 and on the season. So I like New Orleans on the money line, even though they're actually uh, it's, they're, they're plus one and a half in this game. So if you take them uh, at plus one and a half, you get a little wiggle room there. I don't think you'll need it. And I didn't write down what New Orleans on the money line was. So let me just give you, I like to give you the exact odds to so you know what you're working with here. Uh, but they're even money. I actually wrote it down. I just didn't write the number. They're even money uh, on the money line. So I like that a lot. Take New Orleans even money um, to win outright against Green Bay. The next game, the last game in the 1 o'clock window is Denver at Miami. Miami has looked like one of the best teams in the league. I think I had them at three on my power rankings. So, or four, something like that. They're minus six and a half against the worst coach in football in Denver. The over-under is 47 and a half. Miami is a really good offense. I think even with Denver's defense being pretty good, I like Miami to win and cover. I like them to cover the minus six and a half. And I like the over 47 and a half. I see Miami putting up another 35 points in this game. 35 to, I don't know, Miami's defense isn't that good. So 
I think Russell will be able to put up some points. Let's say 35 to 20 in this game. It's 55 points right there. Covers the 47 and a half easily. And Miami can still win by a touchdown or more. I like that a lot. Miami minus six and a half and the over those two. I don't know what it looks like parlayed because I'm not doing that anymore. I'm being honest with you. I'm being straight. That's it. Sunday at 4 o'clock, there's one 4 o'clock game and two 425 games, and they're pretty weak. So if there was ever a time to have this happen, it would have been now because I don't want to be running into Cole Nidre trying to catch the end of those games, and it doesn't look like I'll be having to do that. 4 o'clock is Carolina and Seattle. Seattle's minus 6 at home. The over-under is 42.5. So here's where I'm thinking. Seattle did beat Detroit like I told you they would, but I don't love Seattle. I think Seattle wins this game, but I like Carolina to cover. Now, Bryce Young is not playing on Sunday. And while ultimately I think you're a team that's not trying to be very good, and so playing your rookie quarterback, giving him NFL experience, may be the right decision. I do think Andy Dalton will have better command of that offense for at least one weekend. And he will do a better job. So I think there's a chance Carolina wins with Miles Sanders and Andy Dalton at quarterback and looks better on offense than they do with the rookie quarterback and Bryce Young. That's not to say that Andy Dalton should be starting or anything like that. I think it's just simple math. It's a rookie quarterback. He's going to struggle. I think Andy Dalton will probably be able to run Frank Reich's system a little bit better. So I think they cover the six. Even if Seattle wins, I like Carolina plus six in this game. It's the only four o'clock game. So it moves us to 425 Chicago at Kansas City. Kansas City is minus 12 and a half. The over under is 48 and a half. I don't even know if Chicago can score 10 points in this game. This sucks because it's just awful to watch what's going on in Chicago. There was like this weird, awkward hug in front of the cameras by the offensive coordinator and Justin Fields. He's talking about playing with instincts and stuff like that. You always are remembered that Kansas City, or rather Chicago, could have taken Patrick Mahomes and instead went with Mitch Trubisky. So that's never fun. And sorry, Chicago fans listening right now. If I just remind you of that, although I'm sure you never forget. It's minus 12 and a half for Kansas City. I don't love huge numbers. So I decided to get a little bit creative here and go with the Kansas City over. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to put up a ton of points against the Chicago defense. And I do think they can also get some points on defense and special teams against Chicago's offense and special teams. So what I'm going to do instead of betting the over or the under or the game or the side, I'm going to just take Kansas City to score over its 30 and a half points. But I think Kansas City's offense needs a breakout. I think this is the perfect time to do it at home against Chicago. Their defense, which has been really improved, can score a bunch also. 30 and a half, over 30 and a half points for the Kansas City Chiefs in this game is minus 130. And that's my bet. The last 425 game on Sunday is Dallas at Arizona. It is plus 12.5 for Arizona. Dallas is favored by minus 12.5. And and the over-under is 42.5. In this game, I don't like a side. I like the over. Uh, The total seems low to me, especially considering last week there were 40 points in the Dallas game. The week before, there were 40 points in the Dallas game. And that's when Dallas' opponents scored a total of 10 points in the two games combined. I think Josh Dobbs is a lot better than Zach Wilson, and I don't think that's a hot take. Josh Dobbs in Arizona was able to put up points against the Giants last week. Hell, they were up 20-0. I still think Dallas is going to be able to put up a ton of points. 
Trayvon Diggs is a big, big injury at corner, so maybe Josh Dobbs' job is a little bit easier. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys won't get as many interceptions because he loves to jump routes, so maybe it makes it more difficult for Josh Dobbs. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, I do think there'll be points in this game, and 42 seems low, so I like the over in that game. I don't totally trust Dallas to cover a 12.5-point spread. I know I love them. I know I keep saying they're a really good team. Still don't trust them. 12.5 points is a lot. If I'm not taking Kansas City on a 12.5-point spread, you know I'm not taking Dallas in a 12.5-point spread. Uh, so I'm staying away from that side, but I'm just going over 42.5 total points in the game. Sunday night football is Pittsburgh at Las Vegas. And don't you remember this game? Wasn't this, I don't know, was it Christmas Eve last year that was on a Saturday night? So that was a wild game that Pittsburgh pulled that out of their ass, that crazy two-minute drive by Kenny Pickett. Well, I wish we've seen that Kenny Pickett since because we haven't seen him. He's been awful. Las Vegas is favored by minus 2.5. The over-under is 43. To me, this is a total stay away because Vegas has been frisky and Pittsburgh has looked terrible, poorly coached, bad offense, bad quarterback play. It feels like everyone missed on that team, and yet they still won last week somehow against Cleveland. So I'm, I don't know what to think. I think the value play here is the Pittsburgh money line because it's plus 120. That's really good numbers. That's good juice on that line for a team that Vegas, I don't think is really good. And I think Vegas is poorly coached too. And remember how this game went last year. So if you want juice, I like Pittsburgh money line at plus 120. Um, but that's the value play to me. I think this game might be a stay away. There's another two games on Monday night football, and we'll talk about it now. First, it's Philly, one of the best teams in the league, like we talked about at Tampa. They're both 2-0. Tampa is plus 4.5, so Philly only getting 4.5 points, and it's over-under is 46 for the total points. This is the perfect spot for Philly, in my like in my opinion, because Baker's riding high. Baker's feeling himself. He's coming home to Tampa. You don't need Brady anymore. You got Baker Mayfield. That's never a good spot for Baker Mayfield to be in. I still don't like Todd Bowles, the coach, although it seems like he hasn't totally screwed up yet for them. So Philly, after a couple of eh, not-so-convincing wins in Week 1 against New England, Week 2 at home, obviously, against Minnesota, they had 10 days, or really 11 days. They're going to have 11 days because it's from a Thursday night to a Monday night. So they had 11 days to think, to rest, and prepare for this game against Tampa Bay. I think Philly's going to crush the Bucs. Minus 4.5. I don't like it. I love it. Philly minus now. I take the minus six and a half win by at least a touchdown in this game. I don't even know what it looked like if you adjusted it, but I like Philly minus six and a half. My pick though is minus four and a half, just to make sure that's on the ledger in case they win by five. Uh, and don't want don't want to cost me anything. Although I'll go ahead and bet the six and a half and watch them win by six. So that's how it's been going for me gambling so far this year. But the picks I'm giving you have been killer. So just even if I'm not going to listen to me, you should listen to me. And the last game of week three, Monday Night Football as well, is a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, L.A. against Cincinnati, the Rams and the Bengals. The Bengals are at home and they're favored by three. This might change depending on what's happening with Joe Burrow. There's no update yet whether he's going to play or not, so I would watch this line. I wouldn't bet it now at all. It's 43 and a half. We don't know if we're going to have Burrow. 43.5 is the total of our under. I think if you buy a point or half a point either way, I like LA. Even if Burrow does play, I think the Rams have been sneaky good. I think Stafford has been sneaky good. So if you go to LA plus 3.5, you move it a bit, that gives you minus 132 odds. 
I kind of like that. I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll cover the three and a half with or without Burrow. But until we know more on that, I would not bet this game. So those are the picks for week three in the NFL tomorrow or later today, I guess, now that you're listening to this, there will be another episode of In-Flight Snacks, so please do what you can to support that with Bilal Powell. Uh, our guests fell through, as you heard, so we're going to call him tomorrow morning and see if that works out. If not, it's just going to be Bilal and I. It's still going to be fantastic. So until then, please like, subscribe, share it with a friend. I appreciate you all for listening. Peace. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Change it all, oh, oh, oh. always on my Birds flying on the highline With sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you Printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go oh, 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 I ain't change it Oh, oh, oh Always on my own oh, oh, I'm still New York You're the only Oh, oh, oh That I'll ever know Oh, oh My country Oh, oh, oh so I'm still New York Yeah, BK Born and raised I was God sent to hit the courtyard and prospect Take them long walks on my time spin Just a kid with that empire state of mindset Kick flipping off a blind deck Dipping from the New York City's finest Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit Walking down the block with my New York bitch I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it Even if I do though, I can never hide it Top down on the west side when I'm driving East side be the only side that I'm riding
I ain't changing it all. I'm still young. 